Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. It's Greeny on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, and ESPN Plus. Courtney Cronin, Amber Wilson sitting in for Greeny on this Wednesday morning. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. All guests who are going to show up on Greeny today will come to us via the Goodyear hotline. Be part of Greeny Nation on the Dr. Pepper call in line. Call us, 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. ESPN Nation is presented by Dr. Pepper. College football bowl season is here, and the fans are hyped. Return to glory with Fansville by Dr. Pepper, the one that fans deserve. Tuesday was a real tough day, real, real tough day for all of us here in the NFL world. John Madden passing at the age of 85, the legendary broadcaster Amber, whose voice, big booming voice, was synonymous with Pat Summerall. It's the reason that so many of us in broadcasting got into this. And then my good friend and colleague, Jeff Dickerson, longtime Bears reporter and ESPN radio host, passed away yesterday, 3.25 p.m., uh, from complications due to colon cancer. Uh, Probably no real way to get into this, but, you know, I've done a million shows with J.D., and here's my pivot. It's time for Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. Um, He knew all about that pivot. He he was all about the pivot, and he was so good at transitioning and being able to talk about things that were so difficult to talk about on air. I have thought I thought about like coming on here today and you know doing my best to hold it together and thinking about all of the good things like that's the stuff during times of grief writing and keeping positive thoughts in my mind is is the only way I can truly get through without being you know a giant pile of silly putty um, and just a mess because it's been tough for those of you who don't know Jeff Dickerson. I mean, you've heard his voice on ESPN Radio for years. Those in Chicago, he was synonymous with the city and the sports world in Chicago. Covered the Bears, covered the Bulls, did pretty much everything in that city and was a fixture at ESPN 1000 in Chicago. And we all got the news yesterday that Jeff had passed peacefully at 3.25 p.m. Back in February, he was diagnosed with colon cancer and... He was doing okay for a while. I remember the day I found out he was sick. I texted him, and I was a mess, and he was the one who turned to comforting me and told me, thank you, Courtney, I appreciate all of this, but I'm determined to beat this. And that's just the way that he carried himself throughout the last year of his life. And throughout the last couple months, things looked okay. I had seen JD back in October at our – Vaughn McClure Foundation inaugural event in Lincolnshire, Illinois, close to where J.D. lives. And and Vaughn is somebody that many people know in the NFL community. He covered the Atlanta Falcons for ESPN's NFL Nation. And before that, he covered the Chicago Bears for the Chicago Tribune. And, you know, Vaughn passed suddenly in October of 2020. ESPN established this foundation And J.D. sat on the board for that. So while J.D. was going through his own bout of cancer, he was also spearheading this foundation that raised money for scholarships for journalism students at Northern Illinois, which was Vaughn's alma mater. Um, And so I remember I was home two weeks ago. I I had been moved on to some of our Bears coverage because J.D. took a leave of absence at the beginning of December because he wasn't doing well. And I got a call the Sunday morning before Monday Night Football that, like things were looking pretty bleak and 
I texted him immediately because I was in Chicago before the game. And I said, can I see you tomorrow? And his response immediately was like 100%. I feel great. I'm ready to go. Come on over. So I went over to his place in Vernon Hills the Monday, like a couple hours before Monday Night Football. I had actually just wrapped up hosting Barton Hahn with Myron Medcalf. And, you know, in just typical JD fashion, he's sitting on the couch. He had certainly lost weight. You could tell he was sick. Um, the cancer had spread to his liver. So it was tough seeing him like that. But I walked in, and in, his voice wasn't as booming as it usually was, but it was still warm, welcoming. And he let me know that, you know, he was doing okay, that he felt okay, that he wanted to get to December 28th because that was his day where he had hoped to get another chemo treatment, which he never ended up getting, but he, he reached his goal. Um, it's kind of the hard thing in all of this. He reached his goal of getting to December 28th, the day that he passed, um, eight days after I had seen him. And I remember he turned to me when he was casually talking. He was, you know, asking about radio, asking about the game that night, asking about the things that all of us had done for so many years together. And, you know, I've, I've spoken about this. I, I talked about this last week on Freddie and Fitzsimmons. The only reason my voice is given a platform like this right now is because of Jeff Dickerson. I got into ESPN radio in 2019 because JD opened a door for me when he absolutely did not owe me anything, did not have to do that. I said, I want to expand what I do at ESPN. I want to be have a platform where I can talk about more than just the NFL and the Minnesota Vikings because we're NF, we were NFC North colleagues. He covered the Bears. I covered the Vikings. So I knew that JD would know how to get there. And he didn't ask for anything in return. He didn't, you know, he, he gave me a platform to shine when that was not required of him. So when I was, you know, dealing with everything yesterday and thinking about, you know, the moments that, you know, I, I will always remember of JD and just how his impact on my life, I said, okay, you, you got to get your butt up and do this show you got to go. You got to crush Greeny tomorrow. You've got to go in. You've got to remember him, but you've also got to talk sports. You've got to live. You know, carry JD's legacy on by the way that you live. Find the next person that you're going to reach out to to help them along, to help their career, to help give them an opportunity that they might not be able to get on their own. And um, that's that's what I'm going to try to do today. Like this is this is a tough day for so many. I think the most warming thing, Amber, is seeing all of the poor outpouring of support on social media, all the people that knew him, his, his, his Chicago media family, like the stuff that we're seeing from all the people he was around daily is incredible. But you and I know him from ESPN Radio in the years that he spent here making himself a staple within our family at ESPN Radio. That's what I want to carry on today. Like that, that's my goal for this show. We will talk sports. That's how J.D. would have wanted it, obviously. Uh, But really important to me and to Courtney here to pay our proper respects and tribute to one of our favorite colleagues here at ESPN Radio. This is Greeny. That voice is Courtney Cronin. I'm Amber Wilson. We're, of course, filling in for Mike Greenberg today here on ESPN Radio. Uh, I didn't know Jeff as well as you did. I did not get the opportunity to work with him um, until... 
this year, um, I believe. Mm -hmm. And so my history with him doesn't go back as far as yours. But although it was a short history, so to speak, he was one of my very favorite people to do shows with. And that's easy to say, obviously, once somebody has passed away. But I genuinely mean that. Like, he was so fun to do shows with. Not only was he incredibly knowledgeable about sports, Courtney, everybody here is obviously, everybody at ESPN is very knowledgeable about sports. JD was super fun and he was really funny. He had a great sense of humor. He was just very fun to work with. He was so kind. Several people at ESPN have the same story that you have about how he helped them in his career. And I'll never forget when I came to ESPN radio, I knew who, of course, Jeff Dickerson was. I mean, to me, Jeff Dickerson was like, you know, ESPN. He's been synonymous with ESPN for so long that to me, he was a big deal, right? So the first radio show I ever got to do with him, I remember thinking, like, I get to do radio with Jeff Dickerson. This is so cool because it's somebody I had watched and listened to for so many years on the network. And he was so kind and humble. And it was just so fun to work with him. And he was so kind to me afterwards and just so calm complimentary of me. And man, I felt like I made it when Jeff Dickerson was sort of giving me his blessing in this business. Uh, But that's who he was. Everybody has stories like that about him. And he was always cracking jokes about the other people here at ESPN. He seemingly had a great relationship with everybody. I mean, just somebody who is really, really beloved. Uh, A really tragic story. Uh, Only 44 years old. You mentioned passed away from colon cancer. He has an 11-year-old son in Parker. He would talk to me about Parker every break. And I didn't know Jeff well enough to know, you know, what he was going through. Obviously, that's a very personal matter uh, and not one that he was choosing to share publicly with everybody. But he talked about Parker all the time. And I didn't know that, of course... He was going through what he was going through, but what an incredible father he was. And he spoiled Parker, and he loved that boy so, so much. And, of course, Jeff had lost his wife just a couple years ago from cancer as well. So now Parker, of course, has lost both of his parents in a very short period of time. Um, Our thoughts and prayers are definitely with him um, and Jeff's family generally. But all of us here at ESPN Radio have been very much touched by Jeff Dickerson. Yeah, and, and there is some good that's come out of this. There's a GoFundMe page that I, I've retweeted. I'll retweet it again. I, I would love for I anybody well, yeah. who, who has means to, to donate to that. I think we're up at like over 190000 All of those All of those funds will go to Parker, his 11-year-old son. Um, and a little bit of uh, sentimental news today as well. We are changing the name uh, today officially to the McClure Dickerson Foundation to honor both of um, both Vaughn and J.D., I got that news this morning from my deputy editor, Heather Burns, and that was, um, you know, I, I stopped crying from about like 1 a.m. till 4.30, and, and that hit me right around 5 a.m. Um, an unbelievable, two unbelievable men gone too soon. Jeff Dickerson, longtime Bears reporter for ESPN, ESPN radio host, passed away at the age of 44. He shares the very, very sad day, along with John Madden, legendary NFL broadcaster who passed away on Tuesday at the age of 85. Straight Talk Wireless, no contract, no compromise. We're going to keep the phone lines open all show. If you want to have any, if you want to join us at any point, talk about JD, talk about your memories of John Madden, 888-SAY-ESPN, that's 888-729-3776. Straight ahead, the NFL and the NFLPA agree to cut COVID isolation time to five days. Plus, what is the latest on Carson Wentz? We'll get into that next here in Greeny, ESPN Radio, ESPN+. Plus. Greeny, the podcast. 
Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute, but Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price, anywhere from 25 bucks and under to 100 bucks and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists like for the mom who has everything, pre-wrapped gifts or gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. An ESPN NFL insider, Dan Graziano, joins us now on the Goodyear Hotline. With you for every mile on the road to greatness, Goodyear more driven. Graz, been a tough couple days here for our NFL family. Um, wanted to start out with the passing of John Madden, the legendary broadcaster who died on Tuesday at the age of 85 years old. I can think of countless games that I listened to, Pat Summerall, John Madden, as a kid, and all of the memories that kind of come flooding back as we remember him. When you think of John Madden, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Yeah, I mean, same thing, Courtney. I mean, like, you remember him as sort of the sound, his voice is sort of the soundtrack of football growing up and all those big games and and then, of course, you know, I mean, I remember Miller Lite commercials and, uh, you know, obviously the, the video game, all the generations of that that I've, that I've played um, with college friends, with, with my own kids uh, over the years. So, no, I mean, it's just a guy that had, we talked about on Get Up This Morning, I mean, it, it, just so much impact on so many different generations of sports fans. Uh, I think that's pretty remarkable. Yeah, John Madden is football and he will always be. And there's been a lot of changes across football, Dan. Uh, Unvaccinated players who previously tested positive for COVID had to quarantine for 10 days. Now the NFL has followed suit with the CDC. And now vaccinated or unvaccinated players, if they test positive, may only be a five-day quarantine if they're asymptomatic. What kind of impact do you think that these the change in these protocols is going to have? And how have they been received? Well, I think uh, there's been a... There's been a movement among players, especially those that got vaccinated and maybe weren't all the way sure about whether they wanted to, uh, to say, hey, we went through all this. We followed the protocols. We've worn masks. We've done everything we asked. We're still testing positive. We're not allowed to play. So they've changed the protocols a couple times in recent weeks to make it easier for players who test positive to get back on the field quicker. When you talk about impact, just look short term at what the Indianapolis Colts are dealing with this week. Under the previous protocols, Carson Wentz, who went on the COVID list yesterday, and Darius Leonard and Quentin Nelson, who went on it late last week, would have been probably out for Sunday's game against the Raiders. Wentz definitely would have been. Now, under the new protocols, they have a chance to come back because they only have to isolate for five days. Now, they have to meet other benchmarks, like you referenced, uh, but it gives them a shot. And I think what the NFL is looking at is a way 
to get all his games played as scheduled uh, while trying to keep everybody as safe as possible. Though I understand the criticism that, that comes when you say, well, if the priority is getting the games played, does the player health and safety suffer? I think they're probably doing uh, their best with that. But when you figure that they're, they're getting protests from players who want this uh, and that that drives part of the uh, of the reason for the change, I think you have to factor that in as well when we analyze what they're doing. ESPN NFL insider Dan Graziano joining Courtney Cronin and Amber Wilson here on Greeny. I, I wanted to touch on that because the NFL has talked about there's no link to a spread of, unva- of vaccinated players who are asymptomatic with the COVID-19 virus on the field, which is why a lot of these rules have been altered in previous weeks and previous days. You know, with Carson Wentz being unvaccinated, and now these rules being changed where he could potentially get back onto the field to be a part of the game against the Raiders on Sunday. Is there any more worry just with these unvaccinated players and the timetable for them to come back versus what we know with the vaccinated players who are showing, not showing symptoms, asymptomatic? Well, I think what the league did was they took their lead from the CDC regulations that were announced the day before uh, on, uh, on Monday. Uh, um, that's saying regardless of vaccination status, your isolation period is five. It should be five days. Not, it doesn't have to be 10. So that's, you know, it's based on now almost two years worth of, of, of data and science on this. Uh, and, and obviously, hopefully uh, it's all backed up by that. And, and I don't know why they would put it out there if it weren't. Uh, but uh, I think what the league has shifted to with its testing procedures, especially once players have tested positive, is Rather than a binary, you know, positive or negative test when you're trying to get back on the field, they have a test that can show sort of how contagious you are. It involves something that they call it cycle threshold, and I don't know how many people who are listening have paid this close attention to it, but basically the more cycles of testing it takes for the virus to show up and the less of the virus you have in you, and that makes you less likely to transmit it. So when it gets to a certain level, they, they can clear you. Um, and I think that the league is looking at that and saying – this is a more sophisticated way of targeting the problem. The problem, of course, being we don't want our players transmitting it to each other. So they're basing it in that. And from what they're telling us, this is all grown out of uh, their two years now of experience with this. ESPN NFL insider Dan Graziano on with Amber Wilson and Courtney Cronin filling in here on Greeny. So, Dan, just to clarify that point then, just so I understand it a little bit better. So it's the... Uh, what did you call it, cycle threshold then that's determining whether they're asymptomatic? Because I've been confused because we keep talking about asymptomatic no. versus symptomatic. Like, who determines who's asymptomatic? You know, it feels like when we're talking yeah. about really young, you know, men who are extraordinarily healthy, that that could be problematic, that maybe they ignore a tickle in their throat. They think they're asymptomatic. They're not. Right. No, the cycle threshold does not, uh, it does not connect with Showing symptoms. Showing symptoms means, you know, basically, you have a sore throat, you have a stuff, you know, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then they check you out more carefully as a result of those symptoms. And yeah, some of it's going to rely on players to report the symptoms themselves. And yes, I mean, sure, is that a is that a flawed process to rely on sort of the honor system there? Of course. But you hope that everybody, you hope that everybody's pulling in the same direction and wants to keep everybody healthy. That that's the hope at the root of this. The cycle threshold is more of, a, of an analysis of, of the test, right, and, like, how communicable the virus is from you to someone else. And, and what they've determined is that at a certain level, you're not at risk of transmitting it to somebody else, so they'll clear you, even if that test 
let's say it shows a cycle threshold of the numbers 35 or higher, that might have come back as a positive test. Uh, it's not, I guess, I guess you could say positive enough to worry uh, the team, the league, the doctors about whether you'll pass it on to someone else. We are nearing the end of the 2021 regular season in the NFL, and with two weeks left, teams that have already fired their head coach are allowed to start conducting interviews to try to find their next head coach. One of those teams, the Jacksonville Jaguars, reportedly targeting Doug Peterson, who the former Eagles coach who took a year off coaching this year, and Jim Caldwell, longtime Detroit Lions coach who was in the mix last year for the Houston Texans job. I'm wondering, now that we know this rule is in place and we know what Matt Nagy said that he anticipates coaching out these final two games how much more of a leg up do you think that this gives a Jacksonville team where they're trying to very desperately and very quickly get the right head coach in there so they don't waste this window of great salary cap space that they have to work with and you know a a jump start do-over effectively with Trevor Lawrence do you think that this is going to give them their chance to find the right guy now that like they're one of two teams, them and then the Las Vegas Raiders that can start interviewing people as early as this week. I guess it gives them a leg up on the process. If they're trying to sell themselves as an attractive destination to top candidates, right? You have two more weeks where you can convince somebody that you're the place to go. Um, Doug Peterson and Jim Caldwell, neither one of those guys is on anyone's staff. They could be interviewed or hired at any time. Uh, but what had the window that opened yesterday, you're allowed to interview candidates who are still assistant coaches with other teams. And we saw they put in, you know, permission slips for the Tampa Bay coordinators and the Dallas coordinators and, and Indianapolis defensive coordinator. Uh, so that's what's going on there. A lot of these guys feel like the Raiders aren't doing it. The Raiders are trying to get in the playoffs, so they're not, they've decided they're not going to do what Jacksonville's doing. Jacksonville has nothing to play for, so they're trying to get that head start. I'm personally of the opinion that it's not a process that you should rush and the teams tend to move too hastily and make these moves and end up making mistakes. So if Jacksonville's doing this as a means of extending their interview window, interviewing as many people as possible and giving this as much thought as possible, then yes, I think that's a good idea. If they're trying to do it so they can get it done before everyone else, then I think that puts you at risk of making a mistake. Graz, before we let you go, we knew we know that you knew Jeff Dickerson well, like the rest of us in our NFL Nation family, our ESPN Radio family. Wanted to give you a moment to share any memories that you had with him. Uh, I mean, look, this is – I thought what you – Courtney, what you, what you posted uh, was beautiful. Uh, and obviously, he meant a great deal to you and, and your career. I think that was – if people haven't seen it, follow Courtney on Twitter and you can read it. It, it was special. And Kevin Seifert wrote a beautiful uh, tribute to him on, on ESPN.com, and that's worth checking out, too. Look, the guy was – is everything that you're hearing um, – he was it's, it's, it's one of those I'm not ready to talk about him in the past tense you know like he, yep. he, he's somebody that like he was kind he, he wanted to before before he would tell you how he was doing he made sure he knew how you were you know like he remembered details about your life to ask you about like it just it's just it's tough and it's it's brutal and it's unfair the circumstances surrounding him and his family and his son and it just hurts and it's just a it's just a really rotten couple of days and you know it's just when you think about the next time we're all together and the people who won't be there, uh, it's tough to take. Um, I'm glad. I'm glad I knew him. I wish that I wasn't talking about him in the past tense. It's 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 tough. Well said. Tough day, Gross. Tough day. Really appreciate you joining us here in Greeny. Thank you. That was Dan Graziano, ESPN NFL insider, joining Courtney Cronin and Amber Wilson here on Greeny. 
UCLA pulled out of the Holiday Bowl at the 11th hour due to COVID-19 issues, and NC State is not happy. We'll get into that next, but first, a word from Wendy's. Wendy's knows a better breakfast starts with a better biscuit. Get a light and flaky Wendy's breakfast biscuit with bacon or sausage, egg, and cheese. These hot and buttery treasures come stacked with oven-baked applewood smoked bacon or savory breakfast sausage with a fresh cracked egg and cheese. So, don't risk your biscuit somewhere else. Get to your nearest Wendy's drive through during breakfast hours and get your Wendy's breakfast biscuits with sausage or bacon, egg, and cheese. Limited time only at participating U.S. Wendy's. This is Greeny on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, and ESPN Plus. Courtney Cronin, Amber Wilson sitting in for Greeny on this Wednesday morning. Uh, tensions are pretty high after the Tuesday Holiday Bowl was called off last minute. NC State head coach Dave Duran telling reporters he says he felt lied to by UCLA. So basically this whole thing happened, Amber. They were supposed to kick off at 8 p.m. Eastern time in San Diego. UCLA withdrew on Tuesday afternoon. I remember, I think you were on air when this might have mm-hmm. happened. And they cited COVID-19 protocols within the Bruins program. That was the reason that they like must have had like an outbreak. They're the seventh program to withdraw from a bowl game this season. But they did it at the final possible moment. NC State was already there. And they were due a $3.2 million payout for playing in this game. Obviously, they didn't take the news well. Their head coach was voicing his opinion. I think you can't really blame him in this circumstance where when he says he feels lied to, it makes it sound like he feels UCLA knew about this well before Tuesday, which maybe they did, maybe they didn't. And maybe they could have given uh, NC State time to find a different opponent because now they're not playing anybody. Well, and what do you do if it is legitimate? Courtney, you know, because I understand I feel the like skepticism. It very well could be. Right. I, I understand the skepticism, but we are seeing this surge all across the nation, especially with this new variant and particularly this month. And so what if it was in fact legitimate where the players, the outbreak comes down, you know, Monday and Tuesday and everyone starts testing positive and showing symptoms or whatnot. And that's, I think, a likely scenario just because of the proximity for for UCLA to this bowl game. I think that matters here. We were talking about the playoff games, right, and how all of those teams have been in those respective cities now for quite some time. So if you're Alabama, you're sitting in a team hotel or Michigan, you know, you're sitting in a team hotel, you're probably only around your players at this point. Certainly you went home for the holidays. Could there still be problems that are lingering? Fine, but you're going through a bunch of testing you're kind of isolated with a specific group of people. With UCLA, I'm not sure that was the case at all because they were supposed to play a bowl game, what, a couple hours from where they are. So I wonder, did they travel in advance, you know, down to San Diego? They didn't have to go far for this. So I think that might have contributed to the whole day of thing, whereas like an NC State is flying across the country. So NC State's going to have a plan in place before that happens and be more isolated when they get there. But there is, I mean, there's no easy way to navigate this issue because, of course, NC State's upset. I mean, even if it's legitimate, frankly, NC State has every right to still be upset, even if it wasn't anything Mm -hmm. that UCLA could have done different because I'd be furious. I'd be furious about the money spent 
to get over there. I'd be furious about the preparation. I'd be furious about the timing and requiring these students to give up the rest of their holidays to fly for a bowl game that now they don't get to participate in and didn't get to find an opponent because it happened last minute, unlike some of these other bowls that we've seen where they've been able to slide in another opponent. Uh, This is the world that we live in. And assuming that it was a legitimate outbreak, uh, a really, frankly, terrible occurrence. Yeah, and the thing with UCLA, they had something going on. Chip Kelly, the head coach of UCLA, addressed this on Monday, saying that players were going to continue to be tested, but that their intention was to play. So it's not like this just popped up Tuesday at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, like, sorry, guys, we're out. They were clearly dealing with something, and it's not out of the realm of possibility to think that more players were testing positive, more players were, were becoming symptomatic and and. You know, they were worried about the spread. I understand, like, both sides of this. It's just that the claims that were thrown out there, Dave, I believe I'm pronouncing it right, I said Dorn, the, um, the head coach at NC State, um, he said he felt lied to, and then he's Dorn, and he said, <laughs> he called it fake news at first. He said, I thought it was fake news. And then there's all these, like, conspiracy theories that were thrown out there on Twitter. Uh, the re- uh, Wolfpack receiver, I think his name's Thayer Thomas, throughout then said, well, UCLA had a team vote as to whether they were going to play, and then Bruins quarterback Dorian Thompson-Robinson was sniping back at him saying, team vote, we are still here in this hotel. If it was up to the players, we can play on the parking lot for all we care. Um, and then the Athletics Bruce Feldman denied all, or uh, broke the news. He said there's no truth to the rumor that there was a player vote at UCLA about whether they played in the Holiday Bowl or not. Uh, There was none of that. But it is unfortunate. This is the nature of football, though. It's not a sport like basketball where where you can be like, hey, can we find a team in the next 20 minutes to go play? There's gear. There's lots of stuff that comes with playing football. There's a ton of players. There's like 80 scholarship players there. What are you supposed to do? Yeah, like pack up everybody and be like, let's just, you know, or find another team to come in at the last minute. It's just like not possible. It, It does... It's hard because of the financial ramifications. They were due a $3.2 million buyout, and not every athletic department has the means where they can just be like, $3.2 million, whatever. Like, we'll make that up in ticket sales next year. Like, that's a hefty, hefty price tag for UCL, for the NC State Wolfpack that they're not gonna, now going to have to miss out on. I, just, I think it's really unfortunate all the way around, but, you know, the pointing fingers, the blame game probably doesn't accomplish a whole lot. It just. Probably feels good in the moment to yell at somebody else, and when something else goes wrong, I, I know I definitely do that. I, I um, think there's a, I think there's just a <laughs> lot of rumors generally, though, circling around this bowl season, where we know kind of the importance of the bowls have been diminished over time here, and then we question the motivation of these players to participate in these quote unquote lesser bowls that aren't the playoffs, right? And so yep. I think that factors into this. We see the opt outs, we see the transfers, and now we're seeing the health and safety protocols calls on top of that. So people kind of raise their eyebrows like, is this legitimate or did y'all just not feel like playing it? The thing is, if you had a player vote to not play in it, like why wouldn't you have had that a few days ago? Let's be real. Like you're going to have that the day of the bowl game. And I know Chip Kelly alluded to the issues on Monday. And so I guess that's why NC State feels like the UCLA knew something. But like you said, what they could have known is that they had somewhat of a breakout. They still could have felt like they were going to be able to field a rock out there and then it became apparent on Tuesday that that wasn't happening so a really unfortunate situation and we've seen several of those now throughout bowl season yeah 
the seventh cancellation, seventh team to have pulled out of a bowl game, the UCLA Bruins, the Holiday Bowl that was supposed to take place on Tuesday evening did not happen between UCLA and NC State, another game that was affected by the COVID-19 Omicron spike that is sweeping the country right now. Just real tough, though. You fly 2,000 miles across the country, you give up your holiday, and uh, you don't make $3.2 million. It just It's unfortunate that there's no trip insurance for these sort of teams and bowl game insurance. Uh, hopefully the guys, though, you know, the go- cool thing with, like, athletes – going to these things. I saw Notre Dame put it out on Twitter the other day. You get some really nice swag. So I hope at least the players for both teams that didn't get to play in this game walked away with a PS5 or a recliner or TV or a gift card or whatever else that the Holiday Bowl gave them. So at least they have something I mean, San Diego's a lovely, a lovely city. Maybe the NC State players will get an opportunity here to enjoy it's, it. I don't know. It's That's negative a- six in Minnesota today. You could put me in San Diego and I would just sit in the middle of the street and do nothing and be happy. But, uh, yeah, uh, t- tough break, though, for the UCLA Bruins and for the NC State Wolfpack. Both teams not playing in the Holiday Bowl due to COVID-19 issues. Straight ahead, when you think of John Madden, what comes to mind? We'll ask a lifelong Raiders fan. Greeny, the podcast. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. From 1979 to 2008, John Madden's voice was synonymous with football for so many generations. I remember as a kid watching him and Pat Summerall in the booth. You always knew when you saw those two, the big game was coming up, and they made you feel like they were right there in your living room watching the game alongside with you. John Madden passed on Tuesday at the age of 85. This is Greeny on ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, and on ESPN Plus, Courtney Cronin, Amber Wilson sitting in for Greeny on this Wednesday morning. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle auto, home, or motorcycle insurance. Visit Progressive.com today. What do you think about when you like think about John Madden? It's funny because we keep calling him the legendary broadcaster, which he is. Mm-hmm. But I almost wonder, do kids these days know the leg- the full legend of Madden, right? Yeah. Beyond the video game, beyond even the broadcasting career. And of course, as a coach, for me, when I think of John Madden, Courtney, I just generally think of football. I mean, you can't yeah. do football without Madden. He will forever be synonymous with that sport. Let's ask somebody who is a Raiders fan. John Madden spent 10 seasons as a head coach of the Oakland Raiders, brought the franchise its first championship when they beat the Minnesota Vikings, Super Bowl Eleven. Uh, Jason Fitz, host of Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, joins us here on Greeny. 
You're a Raiders fan. He's the he, he's a legend out in Oakland, out in you know throughout the NFL. But what do you think about when you remember the life and legacy of John Madden? Thanks for having me, guys. It's it's identity, and I think for Raiders fans, you know, I'm 44. So when I when I started watching the Raiders, let's say I was five six years old, right? So early 80s, and even then, having missed so much of his time as a coach you still knew the John Madden sort of legend, and it's always been around the team, and even through the passing of Al Davis, uh, part of the identity of the Raiders was John Madden, always around the, the team, always around sort of the facility, the stadium, and you know when you talk about 10 seasons, never had a losing season, and part of the identity for Raiders fans that they connect with so much from the 70s, I say we connect with from the 70s, was this sort of vagabond, maybe, maybe everybody had been given up on, but you could come to the Raiders and you could have success. And that was largely because Al Davis and John Madden together created a culture where they didn't care what your past was. They cared about what your present is. They didn't care what you did off the field. They cared you know, if, if you were a partier in that era. They, they cared if you were going to come together and play your tail off on Sundays. And John Madden seemed to know the right way to motivate the guys to be the best of who they could be. And it was a lot of people that, that the league had given up on. So I think that's some of the hope of that era of Raiders fandom that has really transferred for generations. It's, it's part of the identity. When you say Raiders, John Madden will always be part of that identity. So transitioning here, Fitz, to today's Raiders, I have to ask you this because last time we spoke, uh, you had really had zero hope that they were going to be able to get it done here down the stretch, even though they controlled their own destiny. They did get that Broncos win, of course, so they're still alive. Now they're facing a Colts team without Carson Wentz. Have you changed your position at all that they will be able to make it? Yeah, that's because I have a very dysfunctional relationship with my favorite team. It's like a bad, uh, I have a bad dating relationship with my favorite team. Like, so I'm right back in the thick of it, and all of my friends are rolling their eyes, saying, "You know, he's no good for you, but you're still going to go back." That's that's what I've done at this point. Uh, because you're right, the Raiders at this point, according to our playoff predictors, if they win their last two games, they have a 99 percent chance of making the playoffs, and. I think that's an interesting thing. The hard part is that Carson Wentz isn't what makes the Colts take it to Jonathan Taylor, and I don't know how anybody stops him right now. So the Raiders may not be a particularly good team, especially on offense right now, uh, but they're winning games, and that's all it takes in this year's NFL is find a way to win games. It's an offense that has looked strangely anemic over the last month, but it's a defense that's played much better, and it's a defense that played really well against, I know, a decimated Browns team, but Nick Chubb was still in. And they managed to to maintain Nick Chubb, and they put up historic numbers against the Broncos, who we thought would be able to run the football on them too. So if they can hold up against Jonathan Taylor, I'm going to be absolutely insufferable going into the last week of the season because it'll be winning in for the Raiders. Fitz, we've got like one second left. Give me one word that described Jeff Dickerson in your mind. Kind. Um, yeah, I, I, I just can't say enough amazing things about Jeff. My heart's broken for all of us. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio and see it with the video on ESPN+. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcast.